Off the Ball with BetDAC.com for great exchange odds on your Premier League singles and multiples every weekend. All right, 53106 or 30cent is our text number. You can tweet us at Off the Ball. Brian O'Driscoll, good evening. Good evening. How are things? Very good, thank you. Uh, we're going to get stuck into Leinster Munster in about 10-15 minutes time because we'll have Felipe Contepomi in the line so certainly do not miss that but there's an equally massive game if you're an Ulster or Connacht rugby supporter taking place tonight it's a 7.35 kickoff at the Kingspan Stadium in Belfast because uh, Connacht going to a place they don't have a very good record you have to go all the way back to the 1960s for the last time they beat Ulster but generally this season records have been broken by Connacht no matter who the opponents have been given the way they've been playing and the confidence they've played with but you have to wonder how much did they pour into that Leinster game last weekend and what's left for tonight yeah it was an incredibly attritional game um, because of the conditions they weren't even though they tried to play a huge amount they were limited to how much they could run the ball and so they had to be confrontational and win those collisions and defence was king last week you saw by the scoreline 7-6 um, so you know, defenses were very much on top. So, uh, you know, looking at their team sheet, uh, there's a couple of names that I don't know a huge amount about. Uh, guys from the academy being brought through. So, this isn't a must-win game for them. If they could get a point out of out of the Ulster game tonight, mm. I think they'd be delighted um, because they still have Treviso, I think, at home, and they have Munster at home. You'd have to imagine at the moment they'd be their favourites to beat anyone at home. They only, they've only lost once actually um, to to Ulster in the sports ground this season. So. Um, they're in great shape. I just wonder, you know, with a six-day turnaround after that level of of um, uh, you know of of physicality in the game, yeah. that I, I just don't think that they'll you know they'll quite be have enough to, to get across the line. And so, obviously, some of the younger players who will get an opportunity tonight are thinking this could be my time, and this is a chance to convince Pat Lamb that I should be involved as we get towards the playoffs and the the knockout stages of the Challenge Cup. But does it alter your mentality as well going into a game where you think so much of the hard work is done? And tonight. If we left it a bonus point, it would be a bonus. Does that almost cost you the win before you even go out if you're going in with that kind of a thought process? Well, you, you look at these young guys coming in, they're opportunities, so they can play like you know their lives depend on mm. it. And, and that's what you need. Um, there's a real, you, there's clearly a re- really good feel-good factor in the, in the setup at the moment. Um, they're confident, they're oozing with confidence. You can see it in their ball playing, their forwards and backs alike. Um, I don't know what the conditions are like up in Belfast tonight, but... They're, they're the team that are playing. They're like, uh, I heard them described as, as Glasgow of last year and I think they're exactly that. They're one the of the most don't entertaining really to teams. Them, do they? they don't. And even last last week, you know, they made a lot of mistakes. They did make a huge amount of handling errors. But they're very easy on the eye mm. and they throw it around and they're, they're comfortable in their distribution skills far more so than a lot of other teams. And I know a huge amount has been made of this um you know, this preseason thing of, of Pat Lamb, you know, getting everyone to go off and buy a rugby ball and they had to be seen at all times with it and it sounds very gimmicky and you kind yeah. of, you, you know, you nearly close your eyes um, with a, a, almost a sense of embarrassment at the poor lads having to walk around. But at the same time, clearly something has stuck with them. Clearly, they're far more comfortable in, in, in you know, in control of the ball and uh, you know the is it is it Ellis that is, as a skills coach with Connacht yeah. this this year Incredible he's done job. he must have done a phenomenal job. Um, I spoke to to um, to Robbie Henshaw last year and we were just talking about you know his potential um, move from from uh, Connacht to another club yes. and he wasn't sure what his future I'm sure where the, his the future club well, it wasn't mentioned at the time no not at the time uh, <laughs> but. You know, the big focus and what I said was, you know, you got to grab guys and, and practice skills. But clearly, you know, I don't think that's just Robbie Henshaw. Clearly, it's 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 throughout the whole team that they're they look as though they're more skillful than mm. a lot of other 
uh, players on the ball and they feel far more comfortable, you know, props throwing five and six metre passes and not thinking about it. I think that's been the difference. And you see seven try bonuses they've had this season. Um, so it all is starting to add up. And uh, albeit, I think Ulster need a win more than they do. So I think they'll be hungrier for it. But if they can manage to get something out of today's game and not pick up any more injuries, I think they'll look to the two home games as the ones that will secure their their home semi-final. Yeah, the, the injury to AJ McGeady means they're down to their four-choice fly half. It's Shane O'Leary who makes his first Pro 12 start tonight. And the point you're making there about the skill sets they've had and even in really poor conditions they've still managed to bring them out it's it'd be interesting to see if it filters all the way down to the four choice ten so if Shane O'Leary comes out tonight with this sense of abandon it's very much about the license that's been given to them by Pat Lamb isn't it like I can think of other managers like maybe Roberto Martinez at Everton he encourages his back four to play out from the edge of their own penalty area and he, he accepts the blame and the criticism on their behalf if it goes wrong for them and Connacht were instead of booting the ball down the length of the field at the sports ground a week ago when it was 7-6 and they were what within 20 metres of their own post they were trying to pick and go and run from their own 22 and I think they really learned from um, Leinster's shortcomings in the, f- in the first half they tried to box kick out with very poor um, success from it kicked out with um, you know with 3 and 4 metre gains uh, offering the ball to Connacht in a great attacking zone rather than backing themselves to actually just pick and jam in and around the ruck out to the 10 switch plays keeping it very simple but yet holding on to the ball and and making the opposition um give away penalties you know from not rolling away and and, and silly decisions so i think that was one aspect of of Connacht's uh, play that was most impressive was their their discipline i know with nigel owens that the penalty count is always going to be very low he wants an open game and so you're probably given a little bit more scope with him mm. to um you know, to to work the rules in in your own favour, but Connacht I think did it better than the, than the, uh, did it the better of the two sides. The two fifteens are interesting, aren't they? Jared Payne and Robbie Henshaw, an international midfield partnership, and they're up against each other at fullback tonight. Is there any future in at fullback for either of these players? Um, not not at the moment. I don't think. Um, I think Joe Schmidt's um set a stall out. Um, you as know, long for, as Joe for, Schmidt is head coach, maybe not. But yeah. do you think maybe beyond that? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, when Rob Carney hangs his boots up or, or you know, when the time is, you know, comes that Rob Carney perhaps isn't first choice 15 at the moment. I know, you know, a lot of people were, were calling for his head um, during this Six Nations. Mm. Um, but he hadn't done a whole lot. Yeah, he's not had his best season, but he do, hadn't done a whole lot wrong in, in the World Cup. Has has had a had a bit of an uh, injury-ridden uh, season. So, you know, Well, he's I got think, a scrap in his hands for that shirt, which is no problem Everybody wants that. Absolutely. And and I know, Rob, the person that always actually performs the best when, you know, the back is against the wall mm. a little bit. So um, I'm sh- I would anticipate we'll see you know, improvement in his form going going forward. But talking about those two boys um, in Robbie and, and Jared, you know, I, I do believe that Jared's best position is still full back. Um, um, you know, he I, I remember looking back and someone, you know, when we were, when he was moved into centre, first of all, they said I made some comment that he's better at fullback, and someone had a go at me. But he himself had his Twitter handle as the Pain Fifteen, so he sees himself as a fifteen mm. and always has done. Uh, albeit he does a phenomenal defensive job and is the glue with that Irish team at thirteen because of his rugby smarts. Um, and Robbie again, it's nice having 
the ability and the flexibility of playing 12, 13, 15. Um, sometimes we pigeonhole our younger players into being very position specific. Whereas I think a lot of the French teams, you look back to guys like Damien Troy, that was able to likewise play 12, 13, 15. And sometimes it can work against you because, you know, you're, uh, you don't become a, a master of any mm. position. You always find um, yourself on the bench. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't envisage that being an issue no. for Robbie because he's become such an important character and player within the Irish setup already at, at a young age. Does this fixture tonight encapsulate what sort of a season it has been in the Pro 12 where there's been an awful lot of hand-wringing post-World Cup and the difficulty the Irish provinces have had in the European campaigns. But you look at the talent in both backlines, and this despite the fact that Connors are missing so many guys. Henshaw, Adiolok and Aki, uh, Matt Healy in that uh, back line for Connacht. You've got Shane O'Leary who will find a lot more out, out tonight. Cooney at, at scrum half and the Ulster back line. Payne, Trimble, Marshall, McCluskey, Gilroy, Jackson, Pienaar. I mean, that's, that's bordering on world class there. This should be your joy to watch tonight and we've seen an awful lot of that this season. Yeah, it should be and I think that has... Um that has been one of the strengths of Ulster over the past couple of seasons. But on the flip side, I think their forward pack haven't been able to get the ball to that quality mm. of player often enough in, in, and in the best positions to be able to allow them to take advantage of their skill set. For me, um, you know, I'm still very excited and it's new. Uh, he, he's relatively uh, recently returned from injury, but yeah, Stuart Olding on the, on the bench, he's been uh, very, very unlucky with some serious injuries and he's still only 22 years of age. I think he's a real, real talent. And um, I know Les Kiss is a big fan, was a big fan pre-World Cup before he, I think it was a cruciate he got that ruled him out of the World Cup. Uh, but he was starting to make his way into the international scene and um, Stuart McCluskey has taken advantage of that but I, I don't think you've seen the last of Stuart Olding. I just think, he, he again, he's a real heads-up player very different to, to McCluskey, not nearly um, the size and, and capability to get a, a gain line, but he, he visualises and, and, and sees where the space is, a bit like uh, like a second Paddy Jackson, albeit I think he's a, he's a bit better built. From Les Kiss's point of view, this is also the biggest game of Ulster season, isn't it? I mean, they, there's no more room for error. There are three games remaining after tonight's game. And if you're beaten by Connacht at home for the first time since the 60s in your first season as the director of rugby, it won't say an awful lot for the progress or otherwise that Ulster have made over the last three or four months under him. No, and listen, everyone has injuries and they've they've had a, had a couple of uh, of their own. I think that, you know, they've, they're struggling a little bit uh, with with some of their big ball cares. Ian Henderson's just coming back. Um, Dan Toohey is a big player for them. Uh, so, you know, um, Nick Williams at number eight again isn't playing today. Big ball carries get mm. your gain line because forwards do win games and backs decide by how much. That phrase came about because that is actually fact. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Like so, any cliche, really. Yeah, exactly. So um, you look at, at you know the last four games; they've lost three of the last four, and their and their win was against Zebra. So they absolutely have to win this. If not only if they have plans to get in the top four, but they need to start thinking top six as well. Mm. Um, you know, Edinburgh, I think, are, are are a little bit out of the mix at seventh. You you should think that this top six is decided, but not guaranteed. Another win for Ulster minimum will put them in the mix for top four and keep it interesting to, towards the, the last game or two of the season. A loss tonight could be, could, be, could be a bit of a disaster for them. So every single game counts for them. From a Connacht point of view, do your goals become, do you need to reassess your goals as the weeks tick by? Because Connacht, I'm sure, just would have, their primary objective would have been Champions Cup rugby next season. Then you get to the point where you want to be in the playoffs. 
Then you move to the point where you want a home semi-final at the sports ground. And I guess that is probably their objective now, is it? We're looking at Leicester City thinking, you know, they want to stay up. They want to be top half. They want to get into the Europa League. They want to play Champions League. Now there's a lot of people saying all they should be focusing on is winning the title. 100%. You get to, like, you, um, you, you know, again, to use a cliche, you don't win anything in, in the first couple of months of the season, but you give yourself an opportunity mm. to be in, uh, to, to, to be playing some exciting games, some important games at the business end of the season. And that's what Connacht have done. Uh, they've managed, you know, their few internationals away throughout the Six Nations. They had more than they ordinarily would have in, in other Six Nations seasons. So they've managed with their best player gone in, in Robbie Henshaw. He ha- I think he's only played six or seven times for mm. Connacht this season. So it just shows the calibre of other players. Bundy Aki has really stepped up to the plate. Ronaldson's been good. Um... AJ McGinty has been really good for them, albeit he's going off to sale next year. So th- these guys have, have really stepped up to the plate and I think they have to feel now that they're capable of winning it. And the fact that they've, they've only lost once to Ulster in, in the sports ground, they have to have a huge amount of confidence playing there. The performance last week certainly showed it. So get themselves another win, probably two wins, guaranteed a, a home semi-final. Um, and then, you know, you, f- you find yourself winning that, you're in a final. Is you know it's 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 new territory for Connacht, but it doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're the 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 confidence side of things will really be helping them at this point. And so, with all that in mind, is this trip to Grenoble next week just a pain in the backside that really Pat Lamb could genuinely do it out? Um, a little bit, I suppose. It's a little bit if you know if if, if Leicester were in had an FA Cup run as well. It's that sort of yeah. thing where sometimes it it can be it can be great if your season's not going well. Um, if you know, if you're mid table, like if you win it, you're already getting what you would hope it's to a, have achieved anyhow. It's another trophy. It's another opportunity to win silverware. And and you know when you haven't had a, a huge amount of success, um, trophies have not been easy to to come by. You have to um, treat them with the respect that they deserve. And I think a little bit of me sees that as a headache for them, but because of the of their squad and because how thin they are on the ground at the mm. moment, but at the same time, you can't give up a good opportunity and um, there's no reason why if they can keep that winning run going as well, that confidence breeds more confidence. You don't want to pick up a loss now and then another one against yeah. Grenoble and all of a sudden you find yourself, well, we haven't won in the last two and then another loss, it just, it does, that, that as much winning becomes, or losing becomes a little bit of a habit as much as winning has. Mm. Who's going to win tonight? I think Ulster will. I, I just think they need it more. Uh, and you, off the back of, of, um, of last week's performance from Connacht and, and trying to front up a second time, uh, like I said, if they can get a point, I think that's a great result for them. But uh, Ulster um, to have a, a big performance and get themselves back in the mix. Okay, that's one huge game this weekend uh, dealt with. We're going to get on to Leinster and Munster in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to give you another opportunity to enter tonight's competition. All week, we've been giving you the opportunity to join the Green Army and support Ireland at the event of the Summer Euro 2016. Every night this week, we're giving you a chance to win a pair of tickets to Ireland's third group game against Italy. It's in Lille on June 22nd. If you want to be there, just identify tonight's mystery voice. He was asked how he prepares for his crappy quiz listening experience get as much energy into me uh, without eating too much at the same time it's a bit of a fine balance but I always like a sneaky crepe with Nutella on it yeah that fine balance is absolutely vital get as much energy into me uh, without eating too much at the same time it's a bit of a fine balance but I always like a sneaky crepe with Nutella on it 
Okay, text Carlsberg followed by your name and answer to 53106. We'll announce the winner at the end of this hour, all with thanks to Carlsberg, the official sponsor of Euro 2016 and the Irish team. Terms and conditions apply. It's open to over 18s all only. So I get your answers in. We'll give you another 20, 25 minutes or so to get your answers into that and be in with a chance of what is a pretty spectacular prize. Okay, coming up, we're going to be speaking to uh, Felipe Contopomi, who's going to be joining myself and Brian to preview Leinster Munster. Off the ball with Betdak Exchange. Giving you great in-running odds on every race or game every week. Available from the App Store or at betdac.com. All right, 53106 for 30 cent is our text number. If you want to get in touch with us tonight, you can tweet us at Off the Ball. Brian O'Driscoll is with me in studio. And delighted to say we're joined on the line by Leinster and Argentina great Felipe Contopomi. Good evening, sir. How are you? Very good, good thanks. Can you tell me, Felipe, heart? on your sleeve I guess in some ways what the, the what sort of a memories are evoked when we talk about Leinster Munster for you because we said when we were chatting to Keane in the, in the, uh, the news round that there are some pretty horrendous memories for you but at the same time there must be some great days as well No I think that most of them are, are great memories even the, from the bad moments uh, with Leinster against Munster we, we've learned and I think it's, it's a great um, now being off uh, not being a player is one of the best services in rugby, you know, in Europe rugby. Uh, I think it's it's a it's a game that everyone lives beforehand. The week beforehand, uh, and every people in Ireland is living that game, and and for the next uh, six months, uh, the winning team and the winning supporters will be living it full on <laughs> uh, till they play again, you know. In Bernard Jackman's biography, he said that Felipe despised Munster and all they stood for. Is that a fair reflection of of the place that Munster held in your heart at the time? I I think that uh, maybe um, for me, uh, Munster, I think that obviously uh, it was uh, our great rival, you know, and, and more so for the style of rugby and so on, but but I always said that uh, Munster uh, touched Leinster a lot of things, you know, and one of them was I always praised, and, and even if I don't, I didn't say the last, I always uh, thought that uh, for me, Munster players were a great example of of, uh, of uh, passion and how you play for a jersey. And, and I think that now Leinster, they've got that, and, and, and you can see how Leinster in the last ten years, have have developed and and grown into into that sort of uh, team and passionate team. But Munster was the real one that showed us that way, you know, or showed us that way. Phil uh, Drago here. Just um, I'm wondering. I, I don't even know if I really want to hear the answer to this question. But would you would you see comparisons between that Munster of old that you're talking of, and you know maybe to a certain degree now, but I don't think quite to the same extent, and your own Argentinian team and that level of passion that you see with the support and you see with the players and how much they stand up for one another and how much you know they loved what they were doing do do you see that comparison between the two having played against one and obviously played for argentina many many times yeah yeah i think that uh, obviously i i see a lot of uh, a, a lot of simili- similarities between irish people and and argentinian people in that sense you know uh, they are both 
two type of players that they played with a lot, a lot of passion and, and proud from for their teams. And Munster uh, at that time, I think, was uh, the real. Um, I'm speaking at the beginning of 2000 and till 2004, five, six, when when they were were the the, the champions of Europe and and how they played and how they they won those type of games were all at the passion, you know. And and obviously Leinster, we we learned we had a bit more flavor in terms of how we played, but but obviously um, uh, when when Leinster added that passion into into the into the booklet i think that uh, they were unstoppable you know felipe did michael checker mention monster much in those couple of seasons in the build up to 2009 and i'm thinking of that win at the stoop bloodgate and all that at the 6-5 victory over harlequins and that was very much a monster type victory a monster type performance where you dug it out in poor weather and it was an awful day in so many ways and that it was not really the free-flowing rugby we often saw from Leinster under Michael Cech. Was it just an organic thing, or did the players who were there before Michael arrived, and then did he talk about it during that time? Was How much of an influence did Munster actually have on Leinster, almost maybe sometimes unbeknownst to you? Yeah, I, I think that um, uh, you, 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 you hit on the nail. You know, um, I think... Uh, you still there, Felipe? We might just drop the line and we'll come back to Felipe, which is terrible because he was just telling me I'd asked a brilliant question. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit annoying. But you were there. You were in those change rooms as well. I mean, I don't know. Did you guys discuss Monster? Look what those boys are doing and look at how they made a fool of us in 2006 and let's bring some of that in ourselves. Or did it just happen naturally and with experience and with different coaching? And I think it was good timing. I think, of course, yes, we were very envious of them. Um, they were the team that were getting all the column inches and had done for five or six years. They were year on year in semi-finals and finals, giving themselves an opportunity. We had won semi-final in 2003 and got beaten in Lansdowne Road against a poorish Perpignan team. So I, I, I just think we had a lot of talent, but we weren't putting that into practice. And I think they married married their skill level with a really great work ethic far before Leinster managed to do that. But I think the return of Leo Cullen and Shane Jennings, the maturing of that band of players of Gordon Darcy, Shane Horgan, um, and, and a few of the younger guys breaking into the side as well, the likes of Jamie Heaslip, Keen Healy, Rob Carney, just all of those different aspects ma- being married together, I think, culminated in, in the success that Leinster had. And, and it, was a, it was a huge moment in 09. If that, that semi-final against Munster hadn't gone the way it had gone, I don't know how things would have turned out. But I, I think that catapulted Leinster into a new level of belief and understanding in their talents and where they could go to. And, and you know, really allowed that to, to uh, use that as a stepping stone to go on and achieve more success. OK, we're trying to <clears throat> get Felipe back up on the line. And in the meantime, just a little bit of time just to give you a mention of something that's coming up uh, next Thursday. If you're interested in getting involved, it's on the 7th of April. And we mentioned it last night on the show, the John Giles Foundation Freedom of Dublin Fashion Show with Manhattan. It's taking place in City West next Thursday. All the proceeds going to the John Giles Foundation and the Capuchin Day Centre. John Giles, Emin Dunphy, McAteer, Houghton, along with assets models I guess that's an important thing to add in given that you may not want to see the likes of Eamon Dunphy and Ray Houghton taking their kid off many more stars of the game as well will take to the catwalk in aid of two very deserving causes tickets available through ticketmaster.ie so uh, get involved there if you can two brilliant charities the the monster dynamic did it change after that 
with you guys, not only when you're playing them in the uh, the Celtic League at the time, but when you were in Irish camp, finally you guys had something to shout about. Um, it probably did a bit. I think you look back to 2008, I think it was, you know, rightly so, it was a very Munster-orientated Irish team. Um, you know, I think I remember the, the tour after they won their second Heineken Cup. Um, seven of of the eight in the pack were from, from Munster and they were just that dominant. I, obviously, they had a lot of dominant voices in what way Ireland played too. And so I suppose Leinster were able to, when 2009 happened, um, and the success thereafter and got more Leinster players in, I suppose th- there was more confidence um, breathed through the Irish setup, but also in the in the Leinster camp as well, because of, you know, of the belief that we were able to beat them finally and we were able to beat them in big games, whatever about beating them in the Pro 12 at home or maybe picking the odd win up down in Thoman Park, but beat them in the really big games when no one really backed us. I think that was important. Um and there was a huge edge. You have to remember back, you know, and it started off in that 2001 Celtic League, Celtic Cup final in, mm. uh, in Lansdowne Road uh, when we managed to beat them with 14 men. I think that's the beginning of the edge. And I, I still get the sense that it's not quite the same edge nowadays as there was for that period from 02 through to maybe 2012, 2013, uh, when some of those key players started retiring and uh, and the new breed came through. I just don't think it's not a, it's not an animosity. I just think it's um, I, I, I don't know what the word is, but there was there, there was a real need to win um, from both from both uh, teams. And, um, you know, you, you talk about one team in the ascendancy for the first seven or eight years of, the, of that decade. And then for the next seven or eight years, predominantly Leinster were the team in ascendancy. Uh, Felipe is back with us raining very heavily Felipe in Argentina you're saying um, maybe that might have something to do with the line but it's even wetter there than it might be in Dublin at the moment Sorry I, I didn't get it yeah it's raining here yeah definitely <laughs> Felipe people and this is maybe more of a football parlance but they've said to us in the past that Derby days often are, are games to be endured rather than enjoyed. That there's just so much nervous energy expended in the build-up to the game. The crowd are on top of you during the game, and often if the result doesn't go your way, the fallout can linger for days after the game. Did you and did you enjoy playing in these games against Munster, or as some sports people have said in the past, was it just something that you endured and got out of the way? Yeah, I, I think that um, that's the key thing. You know, you need to enjoy those type of games. Because it's not a, it's not worth it uh, going through all that uh, suffer before the game and when you lose after the game, you know the only thing that will redeem you is is about winning. And I think that there's a, a lot more about that. I think the build up of, of one of those games um, is one of the best uh, throughout the year. You know because of all what was happening. And I remember when I was going to the hospital and those things. Uh, doctors were all talking about Monster Leinster and and once you win uh, obviously Leinster doctors they speak more and when you lose Monster doctors will speak more but but I think the, the key the key thing and I always said you enjoy rugby in different ways but the best way to enjoy rugby is as a player inside the pitch so you need to you, you have to enjoy those 80 minutes it's not it's not worth it, you know. So, and I think we learned in the throughout the years we learned to enjoy and and to to how and that really what ma- really matters is how you win, how you lose, you know. And and I think that when you 
when you have that in mind, you start enjoying even more, you know, because you play, you try to play your best way, your best rugby. And, and obviously, if you can play your best rugby, you have more chances uh, of winning the game. Do you think we can ever rediscover the edge that you were talking about in the early noughties, Brian? I can probably think of a number of factors as to why it's maybe no longer there. There were a lot of guys, particularly in the Munster side of things, that would have straddled the amateur professional era, so they were kind of coming from a very grizzled rugby-playing background. International teammates spent far more time in camp together now than maybe even you guys did from about 2004-2005, and there just isn't the same needle anymore, and maybe it's something that's that's gone and lost forever. Um, I don't know. I, I... I wouldn't rule it out coming back in some in some form. I think it does it does feel as though it's considerably less, and I don't think there's there's the same hype. But that probably comes from the quality of the team at the moment as well. Albeit Leinster managed to get themselves into a into a European semi final last year, I I don't see the 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 two teams that managed to win five Heineken Cups between them. I don't see the calibre of that player littered throughout the 23. Yes, in spots there are, there's some real standout players uh, for both teams, but I think on, on large, it, it's actually not the same calibre of, of rugby that we were seeing back in those days. And so from a playing perspective, um, again, you know, just to, to, to repeat myself, it, it was about, you know, from a Leinster perspective, it was the envy that they had with seeing Munster and that probably generated it. And then it, it kind of flipped a little bit when Leinster managed to win in, in 09 and, and, you know, there was a, a bit of envy, which was new feeling to us coming from Munster towards us. So it was a nice, it was nice to be on that side for once and understand, you know, what they had felt for probably seven or eight years. Um, <clears throat> Ulster leading Connacht by three points to nil. Paddy Jackson has kicked a penalty and also very much have started this game on the front foot. They're really taking the game to Connacht and laying down a little bit of a marker in this opening few minutes. Felipe, when you look at the Munster and Leinster situation now, I mean, there'll still be over 40,000 people at the Viva Stadium tomorrow, but they're just, as Brian was saying, maybe the quality isn't as it once was. And how much of a difference does it make when neither team is really a factor in Europe? Does that have an impact on the, the meaning of the game to some of the supporters in particular? Sorry, I... I didn't listen the the last part of the question. Actually, the question I I couldn't get it. Sorry, no problem. I know we're on a dodgy enough line, Felipe. the The fact that maybe the Leinster Munster are no longer the factors they once were in Europe. And if you look at that game in two thousand nine, you've got the two thousand eight Heineken Cup champions up against the champions elect. They would go on to win in Leinster in two thousand nine. It's so far from that now. And how much of an effect does that have on the actual glamour and prestige of the fixture as it stands in the moment, if at all? Um, well, I think, um, yeah, it's, um, I think uh, Brian said, it, you know, uh, at one stage there were in five years, you had uh, four uh, four years that uh, European champions were from Munster and Leinster. And, and I think that uh, uh, now, obviously, uh, it, it's tougher and European uh, tournament became much harder. And But, uh, but I think that uh, Leinster and Munster, I don't know, I, I I really am not that uh, involved, or I am not deep inside of what's going on in pro in, in pro twelve and and so. But but I always seen um, a, a good good professional uh, championship to develop rugby, and I'm I'm not sure or to improve week in week out because uh, that gives you the the base to to play good rugby then. But I don't know how it's going now, and and maybe that's one of the reasons why. It's not that seductive at, at these days, you know. 
Felipe, we've got a text in on 53106. Can we ask Felipe about the animosity some Munster fans show to him? I remember being in Thomond as a Leinster fan and seeing him on the end of some vitriol that other Leinster players didn't get. Is that something that annoyed you at the time or did you see other Leinster teammates getting as much abuse as anybody else as you might have? Um, um, I didn't take them as an abuse. I think they were a compliment for me, you know. So that they obviously saw you as some kind of a threat and you were an easy yeah. target from that point of view. <laughs> no, I think, I, I, I think that they were... Um, um, that, uh, if the players played with that passion, I think it all came as well from, from outside, you know. And 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 I from from the supporters, they are really passionate people, and and that's great when you come. Uh, we if you come to watch a, a football game here in Argentina, um, and they are crazy. You you would think that they are crazy people, and and that's the way uh, they they grow so passionate for the game that that they sometimes maybe say things out of of order. But I think that Leinster uh, grew a lot in that. In, in those days, you know, and especially in my last few years in, in Lancer rugby, uh, our supporters are unbelievable, you know, and, and they became better and better. And and, and I think that at, at the highest level of supporters in, in, in Europe. Okay, Felipe, listen, it's been great uh, you've taken some time out to talk to us tonight. I know you've got uh, a huge game coming up in Super Rugby over the next couple of days, so the very best of luck in with that, and we'll speak to you again soon. Okay, thank you very much. Felipe got upon me there. I get the sense, Brian, that in some ways he's mellowed and he looks back on that time in his career a little differently than, than maybe he described it when he was in that Calderham as a player, because I do remember him being rather annoyed by some of the the stick that he was getting at the time. I think we all mellow a bit. I think you, you can't you know live the adrenaline and the buzz surrounding the atmospheres in a in a cauldron like Thoman Park or when your own support is is cheering for you um, in a in a packed RDS or or in uh, Croke Park as as it was. Um, I think all players. I think the same you could say about Ron Nogara, who was a very very fiery character, uh, who had the ability to. Um, forget some of the things that he said and did on a rugby pitch and, and plead complete innocence. Um, I suppose Phil, to a degree, was the same. I think you don't want to carry the, the bad memories forward with you into into your retirement. You want to bring the good ones and the, and the better memories. And when you put the question to him that, you know, he might have had some bad days against Munster, he batted away, yeah. you know, very, very quickly, <clears throat> saying that he does days. remember he didn't have some, some great I days. Mean, if you but think of the two biggest days, 06, you're beaten out the gate. Oh nine, he's taken off with a very serious knee injury. Twenty minutes in, I remember. Um, I don't know what year it was, but when we beat them, I think it was eighteen nil, and um, and Felipe in in the RDS, and Felipe was absolutely unbelievable that day. So that's one of my better memories. Right. I'm I'm trying to do do uh, do the guy a solid and remember for his sake some of the, some of the better moments. Yeah, oh, there were we, great we, days you know, as well. We had uh, we had a bad day in 06 and There was nothing to do with Felipe's performance. I think in general we got beaten off mm. the park. Um, couldn't be helped in in um, 09, but it was 
um, the baptism of Johnny Sexton um, must have been a little bit difficult for Felipe to take a guy like Johnny being able to come in and, and seamlessly take over from where he left off he'd done a lot of work to get Leinster to get to a semi-final and he deserved the opportunity of, of playing in another uh, or sorry uh, in, a, in a Heineken final but alas it wasn't meant to be and thankfully we were able to survive it with what now is one of the world's best uh, players and tens When you talk about some of the stuff that would have been said on the field and the likes that the ability that Ronan and, and Phil Felipe might have to just conveniently forget some of the stuff that may have been said. Have you ever been part of a team where you're a little taken back by something you've heard one of your own players say to an opponent as opposed to getting the abuse yourself from a member of the opposition? Um, I'm not taken aback because they're your teammates so you, you support them no matter what. Want. Yeah, <laughs> support them no matter what. And obviously for you're thinking that if they've gone and said it, they've been provoked in some capacity <laughs> to come out with it. That wasn't necessarily all the case, was always the case with certain teammates. But um, no, I do remember. Um, I remember getting a, a slap on the wrist from Raj uh, in 09 when uh, he had uh, one of the Leinster players, I think it was Jamie in a headlock, um, you know, in, in a tackle. Um, and I went in and got him in a headlock and, and, and removed him from it. And he kind of thought it was poor form because we were good pals and are good pals. Uh, and when we went up north up to um, with, with the Six Nations trophy up to um, Stormont, um, he, he kind of wasn't talking to me for the first 10 or really? 15 minutes of the trip. Yeah. And then I had to go over and put an arm around his, his shoulder and say, you know, still friends. So he'd only forget um, some, some things, but not others. Absolutely. The ones that suited him. <laughs> uh, Richard has texted us 53106. We, as in Munster, never saw Contopomi as a threat as our 10 was better. We used to love winding him up, though. Leinster's big breakthrough moment was the introduction of Johnny Sexton during the 09 Heineken Cup semi-final in Croker. That changed everything for Leinster. I'd have to take issue with that. Some of the greatest days for Leinster fans over that five-year period had Felipe Contopomi playing at 10. I'm thinking Toulouse, I'm thinking Bath, home and away. I'm thinking that 18-0 when you you beat Munster and held them scoreless. He sowed so much of the brilliance that was to come. I think he began. He, he was a big part of, of developing the brand that we wanted to play and the style that we wanted to play. And then Johnny kicked it on and brought his own take on things. Johnny probably brought a fraction more security, brought a better kicking game. Felipe was absolutely out and out of running 10. as uh, when he was at his most comfortable, just playing what he saw in front of him. Um, kicking both off. Well, he actually always kicked pretty well for Argentina off the tee, but not so mm. much, not always for Leinster. But um, his kicking game out of hand wouldn't have been as good as Johnny's. But my God, could the boy um, run and make a break himself? He was physical and and, and strong in the tackle. Um, great offloader, good distributor. So he had all of that. Uh, you know, the brand of which an outside back absolutely wants mm. to play. Is with it his the type 10. of game that suited to a derby? Probably not. You know, there tend to be arm wrestles, a little bit of a chess match. So you need someone to probe the corners, make sure their pack is going forward and keep the scoreboard ticking over. Um, so probably not because both teams know one another a little bit better than you might know some other teams. Uh, and so there tends to be, you know, um, watching everyone's watching every move going. And so a little less sometimes space. you just need to simplify your game and um and, and Phil liked the extraordinary. He was pretty good at the extraordinary. Mm. Uh, but, you know, like uh, like all things, they didn't always come off and sometimes they could be um, detrimental to um, to the team. Yeah, when they succeed, it's spectacular, but it's equally spectacular when it, when it fails. Absolutely. How's this going to go tomorrow, so? I don't know. Like, looking at the at the, the remaining fixtures, like Munster really, really need to win it. Yeah. Um, but I just think uh, wounded Leinster off the back of last weekend, they're, they, you know, they have a good record. 
uh, in Dublin against uh, Munster. I know they lost their last season, but I just fancy that with the retur- returning internationals, all, all you know, a lot of them starting, um, I and you know, a lot of fresh blood coming in. Um, you know, Johnny Sexton back uh, pulling strings at ten. I think he makes a, an enormous difference uh, to any team that he's involved in. So I just feel as though Leinster could be seven or eight point victors tomorrow. Okay, well, listen, thanks a million, Brian. Enjoy the game. Assume you're going to be at it. I will not, no. You won't? It's, it's a weekend off, so right, I, good I man. I'll, I'll watch with uh, pleasure at home with my children. Feed up for you. It's been great talking to, to Brian and Felipe Contopomi. Sean White, correctly identified tonight's mystery voice is Jamie Heaslip, so he wins that amazing prize of two tickets to Ireland, Italy, in Lille at the Euros on the 22nd of June, all with thanks to Carlsberg, sponsor of Euro 2016 and the Irish team. Just a reminder of what's coming up after the 8 o'clock news. We'll have the crappy quiz, of course. We'll have the best of as well. Ger will be taking you through tonight's quiz and everything else that ha- took place over the course of the week. We're back tomorrow from 1 o'clock with a brilliant panel about uh, teachers and how they're coaching their kids in secondary schools we've got the likes of Paddy Christie and Niall Moran on as well and of course we've two Premier League games Sunday afternoon starting at midday thanks for listening tonight